This summer, my wife and I celebrated 18 years of wedded bliss. 18, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jenny deserves that round of applause. So, 18 years of marriage, and uh, she's put up with me for 18 years. And is she in here? All right, I'm going to tell this story. Um, she, uh, uh, whenever we first got married, we went on our honeymoon, and we were coming back, and it's our very first night together in our apartment. Uh, we had an apartment up in Alva, Oklahoma. Uh, we were going to uh, college there at Northwestern. Jenny was on the cheer squad there at Northwestern. One fun fact you may not know about Jenny is she was Ranger Queen. She was football homecoming queen. And whenever I, uh, whenever she was crowned football homecoming queen at Northwestern, I thought, my goodness, I better marry this girl before she comes to her census, right? Because uh, I knew I was marrying way, way, way up. And, uh, but we went on our honeymoon and come back, and it's our very first night in our apartment together, and uh, we kind of got in kind of late, our flight, uh, it ended kind of late, and, and so we were getting back to our apartment kind of late, and I was hungry, I hadn't had supper yet. And so Jenny was going to fix me my first meal, and I was excited. And she was like, what, what would you like to eat? And again, it's kind of late, so I'm not asking for like pork chops and, you know, baked potato and green beans and Texas toast and a slice of coconut pie, nothing like that. Um, I just, you know, one thing I grew up on, I grew up on scrambled egg sandwiches. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so that's what me and my dad, whenever it'd be late in the evening, you know, we'd already had supper. At the cloud house, you had at least four meals a day. And one of them was late in the evening. That's helped me make the man I am today. And so doctors tell you it's not healthy, but what do they know? Um, and so that fourth meal, most of the time, was like a scrambled egg sandwich. We ate that 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and I, I love scrambled egg sandwiches. still love it to this day. Fix a lot of them at the house. And so Jenny said, what would you like? And I said, well, do you know how to scrambled egg? And she goes, well, <laughs> I can try. And I was like, well, let's do it. And so I said, I want a scrambled egg sandwich. Let's, let's fix scrambled eggs. And she was like, sweet, I think I can do that. And so uh, she starts scrambling eggs, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just watching. I'm like, that's my boo. You know, I love her. And so she's, she gets the, the eggs scrambled, and she puts them on, on, uh, on, on bread. And, of course, at my house, we had mayonnaise, scrambled egg sandwich. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We had cheese. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah, now you're getting hungry. And so she puts mayonnaise and puts cheese on my scrambled egg sandwich, and then she cuts it in the triangles. And I'm like, oh, this marriage is going to last forever. And I take a bite, and I take a big bite to the scrambled egg sandwich. I'm like, man, God is a blessed me and anointed her. And I bite, and I'm like, this, uh, this tastes different. Now, I'm not dumb. I don't dare say anything, okay? But I'm like, this, this, this has a, a, a funky flavor to it, right? This has a little bit of different flavor to it. But I continue to eat because I'm a good husband, and I know better. <laughs> I've seen my mom scold my dad several times based upon the cooking, and so I, uh, I ain't going to step in that. And so I, I, I eat this sandwich, and it just, it, there's just something different. And I was like, I don't know what it is. There's just something different, but I ate it, and she goes, how was it? Oh, it's beautiful, honey. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Love you. This is going to go forever, our love. Amazing. And so later on that evening, she's, uh, uh, she's 
cleaning stuff up and she's putting the ingredients back into the cupboard, you know, the salt and the pepper and all those things. And when she reaches down to grab the pepper, she realizes it's not pepper. And she turns to me and she goes, Jerry, she goes, did those eggs taste a little funny to you? Well, now that you say something, um, there was a little bit different hint of flavor to it. And she's like, well, and she turned the bottle around and she goes, I think I doused your eggs in cinnamon. (laughs) And I said, I think you're right. But baby, that is awesome. Those were the best scrambled eggs I've ever had in my life. Just please don't do it again. And so we inaugurated the scrambled egg cinnamon sandwich that night. Now, we've been married 18 years. She's heard that story multiple times about the cinnamon scrambled egg sandwich. Why? Because it's a funny thing about our past. Sometimes our past doesn't always stay in the past. Oh, come on, somebody. Sometimes our past doesn't always stay in the past. And maybe for some of us here this morning, maybe it's a temper. Maybe it's words that we've said to loved ones that we wish we could get back. Maybe it's a maddening, reoccurring cycle of I'm not going to, I won't, I won't. God, I'm staying away from that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I won't, I won't, I won't. But then we did. And maybe it's just a reoccurring cycle. Maybe it's someone that, that, that we betrayed and we feel like no matter how, how far or how much we try to do to try to to reconcile this thing it just seems to take one step forward and two steps back or maybe it's someone who has betrayed you and it's the same situation or maybe for some of us it's just that we had expectations of what life would look like in this season and in this moment that we're in and that we're at right now and and now those expectations do not match reality and we thought life we thought okay we're now retired and life should look a whole lot different than what it is or we have kids and I thought life would be a whole lot different than what it is or I'm young and we're just getting married or I'm young and I'm trying to find someone to marry or I'm old and I wish I never got married come on somebody (laughs) don't look at your spouse but whatever season of life you're in, you know, you, you thought it would be different than what it is right now. And now you're in this season and life just looks a whole lot different and maybe not in a good way. Or maybe it's just something, it's just a, a battle that you went through. Maybe a health issue that you went through in your body, a health issue that, you, that, that you, you've gone through. And, and, and you've gone through all the treatment. You've gone through all the things. And, and things have been clear and things have been good. And you have been clean, clear, and under control. But the enemy just keeps throwing those thoughts back in your mind. You know it's going to come back. You know it's going to come back. You know it's going to come back. You know that next time you go to the doctor, that report's going to be, you, you know it's coming back. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Just, just, just that, that barrage, that barrage that he likes to throw at you. Because why? Because the enemy does not, he doesn't want our past to stay in our past. Right. Yeah. It's like a, in our past, we, we, we can't go back and we can't redo our past. But when the enemy whispers, it's like a cold, bitter north wind blowing as we're reminded about what we've come through or what we've done. If anybody ever understood what this was like, it was Simon Peter. Simon Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. He was Mr. Get out of the boat and walk on water, Simon Peter. Y'all know who I'm talking about. He's with the rest of his disciples at the Lord's Supper. And when Jesus looks at his disciples, he says this. He says, some of you will deny me and some of you will desert me. But Peter, who was never slow to speak, Peter had the gift of gab. 
He was never slow to speak, and he said, no, Lord, even if all these other jokers, if they betray you, I will not. I won't do it. And Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, excuse me, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. And Peter says, no, that's not me. That's these other guys. It is not me. God, I will go to prison for you. I will die for you. I will cut people's ears off for you. We know that. <laughs> Spirit of Mike Tyson fell upon him. Never mind. Moving on. And all it took, all it took was a powerless young girl warming her hands by the fire to get Peter to say, hey, wait, I, 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 I don't know the guy. The little girl said, you, you're, you're, you're with him. I've seen you with him. Peter said, no, I, I don't know the guy. Another guy comes up and says, no, you are a disciple of Jesus. He says, listen, I don't know the man. Another guy comes up and says, no, I know you've been with him. I've seen your post. You're friends with him on Facebook. And Peter says, I, I've, I've never heard of him. I don't know him. And right then, you know what all happens. You know the next moment the rooster crows. <laughs> Someone has said, that's why we as Pentecostals always crave fried chicken, because we're on Peter's side trying to get back at what the devil did. I don't know if that's true or not. But at that moment, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned, and it says, the Bible says in Luke 22, it says, the Lord turned, and he looked at Peter. Can you imagine that look? How many of you have people that can just talk to you through a look? Let me ask this question. How many of you are married? How many of you ever had a mama? My mom could communicate things with just a look. I remember sitting in church. Mom had the gift of the look and the gift of the snap. How many know what I'm talking about? A snap that can be heard throughout four counties. And my mom, I would sit in church, and, and, you know, and me and my friends, maybe we'd be talking or maybe we'd be doing something we shouldn't be doing. Maybe we were singing the wrong song. Maybe it was on purpose. I don't know. But my mom would just sit there. She wouldn't even look back. She'd just snap. And in that snap, I knew what that meant. My fingers are snapping. I'm about to snap a belt across your backside when we get home. That's what that meant. And she did. It wasn't an empty threat. It was a promise. And so she would snap. And when she would snap, I would hear that snap. But sometimes she would just turn and she would just look. And she could communicate so much with just a look. Communicate so much. I knew that my life was flashing right before my eyes. How many of you ever had that long walk with your parents? This isn't even on my notes. We're just talking now. How many of you had that long walk in church where your parent would come and grab you by the hand and you'd take a walk right out the back yeah. doors, you know? Right. And you'd think someone pray, you know? Right. Why do they take you outside? Because outside there are no witnesses. <laughs> That's why they're taking you there. And so I, I just, my mom can communicate so much with the look. My wife can communicate so much with the look. My girls can communicate so much with the look. There's, there's just something about the look. And here Jesus turns and he looks at Peter. And what was Peter's reaction? He felt guilt. He felt shame. I can't believe I did this. Regret probably set in. I wish I could take it all back. Because you see, uh, our, our past, although we can't go back to it, it continues to speak to us. Our enemy continues to use it, doesn't he? He wants to use it. And our enemy reminds us of three things. He reminds us of what we've done. Our enemy says three things to us. The first thing he says is, because of what you've done, you're unforgivable. You've done too much. That failure, that thing, that has, it's affected so many people. Don't even go to God and ask for forgiveness. You are unforgivable. 
It is done. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. You have messed up way too much. You cannot be forgiven. But he doesn't stop there. He says, not only are you unforgivable, but you are unlovable. If the people around you, if they knew what you were going through, if they knew what you were doing, if they knew what you were hiding, if they knew the battle that you faced, if they knew exactly what you were doing with your life, they would not love you. God will not forgive you, and they will not love you. And because you're unforgivable, and because you're unlovable, number three, you're unusable. You're useless. God cannot and will not use you. He cannot use someone like you to be something, of, to be part of something so awesome as what he wants to do in the local church. God will never use someone like you. And he continues to whisper these lies. How many know what I'm talking about? The problem is if we don't let go of our past, we can't take hold of our future. If we don't let go of our past, we can't take hold of our, of our, of our future. Um, over the last couple of weeks, ever since we got back from vacation, I started a diet. Can you tell? No, you cannot. Don't say nothing. All right. I've lost 10 pounds in my feet. That's the way I feel. <laughs> but ever since we got back from vacation, I've been on a diet, and the very first thing we, we did is we cleaned out the pantry. Before I ever left to go on vacation, I just cleaned the pantry out. Just, we tossed things that were so special and so important to us. Things like Twinkies and Doritos and chocolate chip cookies and Oreos. Things have been a part of our life ever since I was a little kid. It's like losing a family member. Aunt Little Debbie. You know what I'm talking about? Why? Because I knew I could not reach my future without letting go of my past. And that, there's some things, some things I've had a great relationship with for several years now that I had to let go of. And we've got to continue to let go of because we can't take hold of our future until we let go of our past. And I couldn't take hold of the future slim, trim, and studly me <laughs> until I let go of fat and happy me. <laughs> Moving on. I'm hungry now. <laughs> There's good. How many know what I'm talking about? The struggle is real, people. Yes, it is. The struggle is real. Yes, that's right. Food is not an addiction. It's a way of life. Yep. Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> Y'all ready for some good news? The good news is this. Anybody ready for some good news? Jesus doesn't leave us holding on to our past. Jesus doesn't leave us holding on to our past. How do I know this? Because Jesus came to Peter after Peter denied him, after Peter walked away, Peter went back to fishing, and Jesus, after, <coughs> after he had resurrected, he rose and he appeared to people uh, for a period of 40 days before he ascended uh, in, 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 into heaven. And during this period of 40 days that, that he was uh, appearing to people, he appeared to Peter one day. And Peter recognized that it was Jesus. And Peter, Jesus standing on the shoreline. Peter's out in his boat. Peter looks and he sees Jesus. And Peter does his best Michael Phelps impersonation. And he starts swimming into the shore. And he had to have, as he got to shore, he sat down with Jesus. And he had to have what was one of the most awkward meals in the history of the world. 
one of the most awkward meals in the history of the planet as he sat down with the risen Christ, who he had just denied knowing. And there's no record in the Bible of them even talking until Jesus finally speaks up. How many of you have ever went to the dinner table and no one said a word? Aren't those just fantastic fellowship times, right? And so here Peter goes and he sits down with Jesus and they're eating and nothing is even being said. This is the first time that he's in communication because the last time Peter saw Jesus, Jesus was just looking at him. The Bible says that Jesus turned and looked at him. That's the last time that he had any communication whatsoever with Jesus. And now he's sitting with Jesus and they're eating breakfast together. In Luke 21, verse 35, it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, now right there, okay, he didn't just use, he didn't just say Peter. He said, Simon, son of John. That's like when your mama says, Jared Jean. Not a good day, is it? And so when Jesus says, Simon, not only Simon, but I'm going to call you daddy too, son of John. Peter must be thinking, oh, here it comes. Here comes a hammer. Here it comes, Jesus. You're going to ask me. Peter, do you feel bad for what you've done? You're going to ask me, Peter, do you realize who I am? Peter, do you realize what you said about me? Peter, do you realize that what I said about you come true and that you denied me three times? Peter, how could you? How could you, Simon Peter? And Peter is waiting for it. He's waiting for it. He's waiting for the hammer to drop. And he says, Simon, son of John, you are worthless and you are a loser. He doesn't say that at all, does he? He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter just looks at him and says, Jesus, yes, I love you. And Jesus says, Simon, feed my sheep. And they're sitting there for a little bit longer, and he looks back at Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus says, Simon, Peter, feed my lambs. And then finally a third time he said, Jesus, uh, Peter, do you love me? Do you think it went unnoticed to Peter that just a few days earlier he had denied Jesus three times and now Jesus is asking him three different times if he loves him? Do you think that went unnoticed to Peter? I don't think so. Because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Peter was even hurt that Jesus would ask him a third time. And as I read that, I was struck. I was struck by something, something I've never seen before as I read this this week. Because here's what Jesus could have done. He could have ignored the past. He could have just said, hey, let's just forget about it. Let's wipe the slate clean. Let's just start right here, right where we're at. Let's just act like none of this happened. But instead, Jesus brought it up. Oh, my goodness. Jesus brought it up. Simon, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Simon, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Simon, do you love me? Jesus, you know, and Peter gets upset. Why? Why is Jesus bringing this up? Because Jesus is not concerned with your short-term feeling. He's concerned with your long-term healing. Oh, that's good. He's not concerned with your short-term feeling. He's concerned with your long-term healing. And in America today, especially in the church, we just want to wipe it clean so let you start right where I'm at. But you can't because we're not getting to the root of the issue. We're not getting to the root of what's really taking place in our heart. We're dealing with symptoms when the disease is still there. Come on, somebody. And so Jesus brings it up three different times. Makes Peter mad. Why? Because if you're taking notes again, he's not concerned with our short-term feeling. He's concerned with our long-term healing. 
That's what he's concerned about. Jesus understood that when you have a wound in your life, you have to clean it, and you, you have to clean it properly. And Jesus says, let's clean out that wound so you can heal. Let's, let's, just, let's not just put a Band-Aid on it and call it all good. Let's clean it out so you can heal. So how do we let go of our past? Well, we close the door. How we close the door? You've got to accept this truth. You've got to accept the truth that God's grace is bigger than our sin. How many believe that? If we don't believe that, we are lost today. If we don't believe that, that explains maybe why we work so much. Oh, come on, somebody. Why we work at this and work at that and work at this because we're trying to earn something. No, God's grace is so much bigger than our sin. And his grace is bigger than our past. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because his grace is bigger than our past. His grace is bigger than our past. And you have to accept that. And this morning, some, maybe some of us just need to hear our Heavenly Father say, Listen, no matter what you've done, I know what you've done, and we're, we're, we're going to be healed of that. But pick your chin up because you are my child. I love you, and there's nothing that you're ever going to do to change that. I love you. Come on, somebody. If Jesus is your Lord, you're forgiven, you're loved, you're a child of God. When you're someone's child, that relationship is not based upon rules that you broke. My kids, when, when we're at home, they're, they're standing as children of their mom and dad. It's not based upon if they make their bed, wash the dishes, and clean the kitchen. Okay, now that makes mom and dad happy. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. That makes, that makes them happy. But their relationship with mom and dad is not based upon the things that they do. Their relationship is based upon who they are. They have been born into my family just like we've been born into his family through the blood of Jesus. That makes them sons and daughters. That makes us sons and daughters. Come on, somebody. So how do we let go of our past? We close the door. You've got to close the door, and you've got to understand that his grace is bigger than our past. His grace is bigger than our sin. His grace is bigger than our mess-ups and our failures. But do not close the door on your healing, okay? Don't just wipe it clean. Let him begin to ask you the hard questions Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Let him begin asking you those questions of how we get back to long-term healing. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. And then number two, how we let go of our past, we close the door. Number two, we've got to step into our future. We've got to step into our future. So what, 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 what does that look like? What, what's the call that God has for you? We all have one. This week, you're going to step out your front door. This week, you're going to step out of your house, and some of you are going to go to work. Some, some students, are, they're getting ready to start school. Some are going to go meet a friend. Some are going to go, uh, go, go to ball practice. Some of us adults, we're going to go to an appointment. We're going to go uh, uh, meet, meet someone for lunch, and we're going to realize, I want you to realize, I'm not just going to work. I'm not just going to practice. I'm not just going to school. I'm not just going to a meeting. I'm going because I'm, I'm, going I'm stepping out. I'm stepping into the call that God has for my life. I'm stepping into the call. We're stepping into our mission field. Why? Because God wants to use imperfect people to impact an imperfect world. 
okay? And so God has put a call on your life, on each and every one of your life. You never retire from your call, each one of us. I pray the day that I take my last breath, there's still purpose in that day as I expand the kingdom of God through his power. Amen? There's a key to this story that we've been talking about. I'm wrapping this all up. Someone say amen. Someone say, no. (laughs) This is your first closing. You got 20 more minutes. There's a key to this story. There's a key to this story that we've been talking about with Peter. It's about Peter's past. It's about Peter's failure. It's about Peter denying Jesus. It's about Peter deserting the call that God had on his life. But finally, I realized that I'm reading this story wrong. I'm reading this story wrong. It's like the same way, you know, some of you have Instagram or, or, or Facebook or you have some type of social media. Or maybe you just still print pictures out. You take a camera and, the, and, you know, and the picture comes out automatically. Or maybe some of you still take it to Walmart and get developed. I don't know how you do it. But what's the first thing you look at when you see a picture of yourself that has you in it? What's the first thing you look at? You look at yourself, Right? And there could be a hundred other people in the picture that look fantastic. But if you don't look good, what do you do with the picture? Jaxie? <laughs> what do you, you, you discard it, right? You just got, nope. Everybody else can look great. Everybody else can look, everybody else can have the perfect smile. And, and all the clothes just fall in the perfect way. But when you look at you, and if you don't have that look that you want, oh, that is cheesy. Get rid of it. Right? That's the first thing we do. I'm going to be honest. The first thing I do. Someone tags me in a picture on Facebook. I'm like, no, don't put that. You got my fat side. How do you know you got your fat side? Because they took a picture of me. This is my fat side. Moving along. But that's how we know if it's a good picture or not. How do we look? But here we have Peter. This is a story about Peter. Until I realized, no, this is not a picture of Peter. This is not a picture of how Peter looked. This is not a picture of is, is, is everything in line with Peter. This is not that. It's a story about Jesus. It's not about Peter, about how, how, what Peter's done in his past. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. The story is about what Jesus did on the cross. When I look to my past, do you know what I see? I, I've, 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 I've just asked God to help me see this. When I look to my past, I don't see my failure. I see God's faithfulness. When I look to my past, I don't see how bad I was. I see how good God is. Come on, somebody. When I look to my past, I don't see the defeat that I had. I see the victory that I have. I don't see all the things I went through. I see all the things he's brought me through. Yes. And I don't see everything that I did. I see who I now am. I'm a child of the living God. I've been born into the kingdom of God. I've got royal blood pumping through my veins. I'm sitting there with him in heavenly places. He's made us to sit with him in heavenly places. I'm no longer who I used to be, but I'm becoming who he's called me to be. Yes, that's who I am. And so I don't know what's in your past, but I do know what God wants for your future. He wants to write the greatest story that's ever been written. And here's the thing. The story is not about me. This is where us as American church get it wrong. The story is not about my key to happiness and my success and my this and my that. It's not about Peter. This story in my life is not about me. It's about him and what he wants to do through me. Come on, somebody. It's his story. 
And so I just want you to grab hold of that. It's what he's done. It's what he's doing. And it's what he's promised he will do. It's his story that he's writing on the pages of my life. And it's an awesome story. Paul the Apostle in Philippians 3, he says this. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting what's past. Forgetting what's behind me. Say forgetting what's past. Come on, say it out loud. Forgetting what's past. Closing the door. Right? That's what we talked about. Close the door. Okay, in the words of a Disney princess, let it go, let it go. Right? Close the door. So close the door to your past. You are unforgivable. You are unlovable. You are unusable. No, you're a liar. I am forgiven. I am loved, and I'm usable. God's had great plans for my life. And I may not be who I want to be, but the devil, I'm not who I used to be. God's doing something new in my life. Come on, somebody. Philippians 3, 1, forgetting the past. Okay? And then he says, focus on what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and focusing on what lies ahead. The question for you is, what is this next school year? We're about to kick off a new school year here in our community. And what is this next school year going to be about? What's it going to be about with our students? What's it going to be about with our kids? What's it going to be about with us? Is it going to be about my failure, my fault, my weakness, my struggle, my shame, my guilt, my frustration? Or are we going to have a moment with the Lord? And we're going to lay that all aside. Because just as he looked at Peter that day, he's looking at each and every one of us today. But understand this, it's not a look that says, boy, I told you so. It's a look that says, Peter, you failed. I warned you you would fail. I told you you would fail. But it's still going to be all right. Your story is still going to have a happy ending. And my friends, our story, no matter what we face up on this earth, every one of our stories, as long as we keep our hand in the master's hand, will have a happy ending. Every one of our stories, no matter how we live on this earth. Let me take that back. No matter not how we live, no matter the trials and the tests and the things we go through on this earth, no matter that, at the end of our life, it's going to say, and he or she lived happily ever after in the arms of their master. Amen. Happily ever after. So am I going to close the door? Am I going to step into what God has for me? And that's what I'm asking you to do today. Close the door. Whatever the enemy is trying to remind you of of your past, whether it be a financial, a health, an emotional, a spiritual, a physical, whatever it might be, close the door. Close the door to that past and step into what God has for our future, for your future. This, Kevin, go ahead and play that. One thing that, uh, yeah, this isn't hell, I promise. One thing about this moment with Peter is it says that, remember when he denied Jesus before that little girl? He was around a campfire, wasn't he? It says he's warming his hands by the fire. And the little girl says, you are with him. Three times he denied him. Then we get to the end of the story. We, we, we get to where he comes back to the Lord. Guess where he's at again? Right there at the campfire. 
Jesus is cooking him breakfast. As he jumps off the boat, swims in the shore, gets by the fire, gets warmed up, and Jesus has this conversation with him, Peter, do you love me? This morning, what I'm asking us to do is I'm asking us to have a campfire moment. I'm asking for campfire conversations around these altars today. We're going to go into our communion here in just a little bit, but before we do, I'm going to ask you all to move from where you're at. I'm going to ask you all to come and let's just kneel, let's gather, let's stand. You can do whatever you want to, but I'm just going to ask everyone, if you would, to come to the front or just, just, just move from where you're at at least. Take a step of faith and move from where you're at. You can come to the front couple of pews. You can come up front. You can come on the stage. But this morning, let's have a campfire moment. Let's go back. Let's go back to where the enemy tried to instill fear in us. Let's go back. Remember, he's not concerned with our short-term healing. He's con- his, our short-term feeling. He's concerned with our long-term healing. And we, some of us, maybe we need to have a conversation with our Father this morning. We say, you know what, God? Forgive me. I've messed up here. Or, God, I have not pursued you the way I need to be pursuing you. Or, God, maybe it's a conversation that goes like this. God, the enemy keeps whispering about that health issue. God, you gave me a good report, a clean report, but the enemy just keeps whispering, saying, you know it's coming back. And maybe today we just need a conversation with our Father saying, God, I'm just reminding you again how awesome you are, what you've been in, in my life. And I'm not only reminding you, I'm reminding myself of your goodness, and the enemy is a liar. We just need a conversation, a campfire conversation with the Lord this morning. So come on, will you join me? Will you join me?